0: Hey, this is Memorial Day weekend. This is a national holiday where our country takes time out to just remember and honor the men and women that have given their lives so we can be free. And uh, I know a lot of of churches ignore that. We're not going to be that church. So here's why. If everybody to stand up, I just want to have a moment of silence and honor the men and women who have sacrificed so much. We're going to be talking about sacrifice today. So let's just have a moment of silence. Then I'm going to say a quick prayer, and then we'll move on from there. But just bow your heads and have a moment of uh, silence to honor these men and women. God, I know in our world today, uh, with the pace of life and the political climates that sh- just change all the time, that the people just, you know, they rush on so quickly. And, uh, and, and God, you, your word says that we are to give honor to whom honor is due. God, please don't ever allow us to take the privileges and the, the, the freedoms that we have for granted. They did not come cheaply. There's a great price paid for that. And those men and women who volunteered and went and laid down their lives so that we could be in rooms like this and have prayers like this where in a lot of the world, that's illegal. God, don't ever let us take our freedom for granted. Thank you for those men and women who have given their lives, those parents who, uh, who sacrificed their sons and daughters and those, those sons and daughters who, uh, who gave so much so that we can be free. God, we, we, we love them, we honor them, and it's all because of Jesus that we pray this. It's in his name I pray amen. Hey, listen, before you sit down, if you're a, if you have ever, ever in the past or currently serving our military, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand up so that we can shake your hand and pat you on the back and kind of give up a big shout of appreciation for what you've done for us. So if you're military, will you go ahead and raise up your hands? Just say thank you to all these men all right? Thank you very much, thank you. Then go ahead and be a seat. Thank you. Awesome. Good. Good. Go ahead and be seated. Again, I know, I know that's not politically correct, but eh, I don't care. Uh, we're going to do that every year. So, uh, hey, uh, along the same lines, this Saturday we we're having a military ministry event. It's our ministry to our, 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 our current military uh, men and women and also past uh, uh, veterans. And so it's, it's going to be out at the Erie Airport. It's from 12 to 2. It's free, all the food and drink that you want, no kids. Because it's all the food and drink you can want, and uh, and we love kids, but not at this event. And so, uh, uh, so, and you're allowed to bring a. Again, it's free. And you can bring a, a guest with you, but you have to register for it so we have enough food and drink. So, uh, so, again, online or stop at the military ministry uh, booth out there in the lobby and find out more about that. I'll mention it again later. But we just want to invite. You. It's just a party for you. Just so, and most people that come to that don't know anybody until they're there about an hour, and then they're like, then we have to chase them out because hey, you, you understand. So, so, just come to that. And uh, if you forget about that, it's out in the in the lobby on your way out. Hey, all over the last month for the next couple weeks in here we are working our way through six value statements they're like the big rocks the foundational truths that this place and our personal lives of following Jesus are built upon and if we let go of these well, I, I, everything just kind of falls apart or at least it slows down a lot there are driving values and and here's what I mean by that um there there, there are many but there's six primary ones the first one goes like this uh, we believe the Bible is God's word we live ourselves under its authority we don't worship a book we worship the God who who says this is a better way to live so the Bible drives everything that we do around here like <laughs> in the Bible, we find that God sent his one and only son, Jesus, to reconnect us back into an intimate relationship with God. Sin screws it up. Jesus, we find, he taught us, and all through the Bible, Jesus is the only one who can connect us back to God. We're not good enough. He does it for us. He reconnects us back to God. Then Jesus said that he came to build something new the world's never really seen before, but a community that actually helps one another doesn't beat one another up, but actually picks each other up when we fall down and make mistakes. We don't throw stones at one another. We actually think life is better in a Me Too, non-stone-throwing community. He just called it his church. That's what we're running after here. Then last week, we we looked at our fourth value, which is gifted service. We looked at part of it, um, and and it goes like this. We believe, because the Bible says it, and Jesus demonstrated it over and over, that the moment that a person, any person puts their faith in Jesus Christ, I believe he is who he says he is. I believe he'll keep every promise to me. I believe he he, he will come, and, and, and he will help me in this life. The moment you put your faith in Jesus Christ, several things happen. The church really just usually just talks about one of them, and that is your sins are forgiven, and you don't have to go to hell, and that's good. I'm all all for that, all right? So so your sins are forgiven, but then it goes further than that. Not only are your sins forgiven, but actually the chains that used to have you imprisoned to what made you sin, kind of forced you. And you know what I'm talking about. He's like, I can't help it. Those those things are broken and you are set free. You're forgiven and you're set free. But God doesn't stop there. He also says, the moment you put your faith in my son, Jesus, my son, the spirit of my son, Jesus, comes and moves inside of you and gives you a new identity, gives you a new value, a new worth, gives you a new name. You're not who you used to be. God now defines you. And then his spirit moves inside of you and makes what was impossible on your own without Jesus in you, actually possible with Jesus in you. In Christ, this is what we looked at last week. In Christ, I am a new creation. I know what I did. I know what I've done. I know what's been done to me. I know what I've thought about myself. I know what other people have said about me. I'm not that person anymore. In Christ, I'm a new creation. I'm a child of God who's loved by my heavenly father as much as he has ever loved Jesus. And any voice, any thought, any person, any emotion, especially my own, any temptation that tries to tell me that I'm different or less than who God says I am is a lie from the pits of hell and I'm not going to listen to it anymore That's where we left off last week Jesus alone has the right to tell me who I am Jesus alone And I am listening to his voice And so we walked out of here last week All right. If you weren't here last week Get online I've had so many great conversations Where finally clicked in people's head I'm not my sin I'm not my past. I'm not my failures. I am something better. I'm something new because of what Jesus did in my life. We walked out of here last week with with a rock, and if you if you lost yours or you forgot it or it's in your mom's purse, whatever that is, you can get another one on the way out. If you weren't here, you're gonna need a rock at the end of this service. You don't have to get one right now, but they were symbolized. It's not a special rock. It's not the force. To be with, and it's not one of those kind of rocks, all right? It's just a rock, but it symbolized. We walked out of here holding on to this rock last week with, with with a couple things in our head. This is who I am in Jesus, I know what I used to be, but this is who I am in Jesus, all right, and this is who Jesus is. And then we, uh, the, the challenge was, and, and even if you didn't take this challenge last week, you can even do it in the next few minutes, two prayers to pray all week long as we kind of held onto this rock as a, a reminder. And it goes like this. How would my life be different if I really believe that I am who Jesus says I am? Well, if, I really, if I really do believe that Jesus says this about me, and would my life actually be different if I lived in light of who Jesus says I am? Followed by this. How could or could God use someone like me, us to build something that would show the world this is what Jesus is like is that possible that God could use people like us to show the world this is what Jesus is like so this is who we are in Jesus and this is who Jesus says so the question is all right what is it that God wants us I'm talking about the people in this room to join together and build what is it God wants to do with people like us and the answer is our fifth value over here all right kind of stay with the big rocks theme we just call it an excellent environment An excellent environment, and here's what we mean by that, all right? An excellent environment is a place that is founded on the Bible, so that's where we stand, points everybody towards Jesus, you all work out your stuff, opens up your arms wide to anybody that's looking for truth, where every person in this community, all right, leverages whatever they have, their gifts, their time, their talent, their money, to create opportunities, eliminate weird, especially religious obstacles that get in the way, so that people can bump into Jesus and decide for themselves if they can trust him or not. That's what you find yourself in today. That's what we're trying to build. And again, sticking with this Big Rocks theme, let's look at a description that that, that God says, here's what I'm trying to do with people like us, all right, written by a guy named Peter. And he knows his stuff because Peter was a disaster before he bumped into Jesus. He was a disaster for the first three years that he bumped into Jesus, nothing really, really changed. And then the spirit of Jesus moved inside of him and new man, new creation, able to do things that five minutes ago he was not able to do. He's a new creation. Peter says, this is what God is trying to build. And this is what I want us to look at today. First Peter chapter two. there's three Bible's in the back, pick up one on your way out. Look at this. As you come, he's, you is us, all right. So as you come to Him, Jesus, the living stone, Jesus who was rejected by humans, they nailed him to a cross, but chosen by God and precious to him. So as you come to that, Jesus this is what we're talking about. You, us also, like here it is, living stones are being built into a what? A spiritual house, all right? This is audience participation, kids. gotta keep up, all right? So God is gonna build us into something he calls, it's a spiritual house. He's building a house, all right? And and Jesus is the cornerstone. Everything kind of lines up with him, but God is building his church out of us, Us, people sitting next to you on this aisle, right? People like us, living stones. What do you mean by that? So we're all on the same page. Men and women who have been made alive. We know we used to be dead, parts of our life to be dead and buried we thought it's never coming back and then God reached into our master Jesus and resurrected some stuff. that that describes big chunks of my life. Men and women have been made alive and are living their lives out of who Jesus created them to be. I used to live my life out of what happened to me. I used to live my life out of, you know, my circumstances or what somebody did to me or said to me or left me or whatever. No more. I'm living my life out of who Jesus created me to be. The spiritual house is the church. And we're not talking about this building. We're not talking about roof and seats and floors and none, none of that. No. People. God is building a house out of people. And according to God's word, the question that I want to look at today is, what needs to be found in God's spiritual house made up of people, of living stones? Or, or how about this? If any person in, in, on, on the street, anywhere in the world, were to walk into an environment that says, we're God's spiritual house, that might be all thousands of us in a room like this, or it might be one or two of you walking down the street in your neighborhood, at work or school, whatever, what should anybody in the world who bumps into us be able to assume about Jesus and what he's really like? What should people be able to find in God's spiritual house? Well, let's look. Here's what Peter says, okay? He says this. You also, again, talking about people in this room, all right, like living stones are being built into a spiritual house, here you go, to be a holy what? You're you're a priesthood. You're in there, right? You are a holy priesthood. And in that little phrase, we kind of of get a job description or a mission statement of how we living stones, how we're to see ourselves, we were being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood. And this is one of the d- descriptions or the, or the duties of any person who says, I, I, I follow Jesus, I trust Jesus, I put my faith in Jesus, I love him, I've been forgiven, I've been brought to life by Jesus. We are to see ourselves differently than before. We're to see ourselves this way. I'm holy, you're holy. No, I didn't really think about that. Well, you should. You're holy, holy what? That just means set apart for God. That's all the word holy means. My my life used to be about this, set about this, about this. Now I bumped into Jesus. He changed my life. My life has been set apart for God, and I'm a holy priest. I'm a priest. I'm a priest, all right? All right? Not not Jim. All of us in this room that lean their lives against Jesus, the Bible says you are a holy priest. And before you jump to your Catholic roots, because I know the room well, all right, all right, or your conclusions, when Peter says priest, he's not talking about some man or woman who wears a, a special robe or a... Pointy hat, or or take some vows, all right? A special call, all right? You know, I'm never gonna, I'm gonna be poor. I'm, gonna, I'm never gonna get married. I'm not gonna have sex for the rest of my life. That's not what he's talking about. If that's a priest, I'm out. I ain't no priest, all right? So, <laughs> I'm not signed up for that at all, all right? So anyway, so, <laughs> so some of your kids would go, Dad, what's that mean? Shut up. Ask your mom, all right? So, I know, I know. I'm gonna roll. Here we go, all right? So, no, the word priest literally means this. It's gonna kind of, you're gonna go, oh, that makes sense. The word priest, if you'd actually translate it out of the Hebrew or the Greek, literally means a bridge builder. A priest is a bridge builder, a person who is used to build a bridge to connect two unconnected things. And think about how some of you grew up. I'm over here and God's over there and I'm not allowed to be with God, so I asked this guy to go over there and do, hey, ask God a question for me, right, to connect me to God. That's a priest. and the Bible, is the priest's job to do certain things on our behalf, like, like sacrifice, animals and things like that on behalf of the people, so they would have a chance to walk in a room and be with God. God said, this is required. I can't have this in my presence. If they were gonna come into my presence, this has to happen. The priest would say, I got that. I'll do that. In order for her to come in a room with God, I'll, I'll do whatever needs to happen, rearrange everything, whatever has to, so that people can be in the presence of God. All through the Bible, Jesus is called our high priest. He did exactly what was necessary, what was required, what only he could do so that you and I could boldly go up to the throne of God. We are unseparated from God. It's been bridged because of what Jesus did for us, Right? So in the context of God is building a spiritual environment made out of people like us, the question goes like this, what's God telling us to do? We're living stones. He's building his church out of us. What is he telling us to do? And the answer is we have to start seeing ourselves different. You say, well, I'm just this, or I'm just this, I'm just this. Well, you have to see yourself as God sees you. When he looks at you he says you're holy you're set apart from me you're mine and you're a priesthood you're doing and offering and sacrificing whatever needs to be done to build a bridge and make it possible to eliminate anything that would get in the way so that people that i care about who bump into us individually or come into an environment like this have an opportunity have an excellent opportunity to bump into not us jesus i want to use you to have people bump into my son son jesus that's, that's the point, I, I, that's the point, it's all about Jesus here, folks, all right, you know one of my favorite moments is out in the lobby, I'll meet somebody that's come to church here two, three years, all right, and they'll say, yeah, pastor, does my, this place, God has changed my life, and, and Jesus did this, and my marriage, and all this kind of stuff, and they'll go on and, on, and on, and they'll go, now, I'm sorry, what, what was your name? I'm like, I'm kind of famous, I stand up here, you know, like I'm the bald guy, you know right? I, you go, I'm sorry, I just, I remember Jesus, and you know what, I love that. I love that. I don't. don't, Who cares if you remember Jim? I want to walk out here going, Jesus changed my life. I didn't change anybody's life. I want people to know Jesus. All right, we're priests connecting people to Jesus. Now, take a breath. All right, especially again, two thirds of the room that grew up Catholic. According to God's word, you don't need another human being to connect you to God. It's finished. It's done. You don't have to go to a special building. You don't have to go to a special city. You don't have to go in a special booth in a special building and talk to a special person. All right, Jesus is your priest. He's your high priest. He alone can connect you back to God. He's all that you need to connect and have a conversation with God. And then Jesus says this, all right? I'm hungry, all right? All right, so. And then Jesus says this, all right? As my followers, if you get this, if you understand that, all right? As my living stones, as my church, you do whatever it takes to build a bridge so that all people have a chance to come to, not you, Jesus, to me. See, I know some of you, you're not going to remember anything else i say. You're just sitting there staring at the chair in front of you going, this, this is crazy. I'm a priest. My family knows I go to this rock and roll church. And they, don't, they don't know I'm a Christian. That would just blow up everything, all right? But now at Thanksgiving, I'm going to go, and by the way, I'm a priest. And they're going, ah, you know, like, <laughs> you have lost your mind. <laughs> like, I know, a little bit. Uh, you haven't lost your mind. If you decide to follow Jesus, you haven't lost your mind. You know what you did? You changed it. I have a different mind. I have a new one. i, I I'm a different person. That's just true. We'll talk more about that in a minute. Look at this next description of living stones. You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood. Here's what we're going to do. Offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So as living stones, as priests, doing whatever needs to be done so that people can bump into Jesus, whatever we're going to do, whatever we're going to give, whatever we're going to offer a sacrifice is only acceptable to God because we're doing it in the name of not flat irons, not in the name of goodwill and I just love all people. No, we're doing it in the name of Jesus Christ. We're not doing it to get God to do something back for us. We don't sacrifice. We don't give. We don't go to church so that God will save us the rest of the way. We're saved. See, a lot of us grew up thinking, you know, when I became a Christian, put my faith in Jesus, got baptized, sprinkled, whatever that is, that saved me about 80%. And the rest of my life is working off the other 20 so that I can really prove to God I'm worth saving. No, you are are saved. We're not going to give money to the poor or food to the poor or stuff like that so that God will, will forgive us some more. We are forgiven. We are offering and bringing these things to God and doing things for God and helping people around the world because of or in light of our understanding of what Jesus has already done for us. It's a response. And these things that we do for God or for other people in the name of Jesus, all right, throughout God's word are called called spiritual sacrifices. I wanna bring spiritual sacrifices and offer them to God. Well, what is that? What's that look like? Well, there's several answers to that, but all through the Bible, it all ends up in the same place. I I want us to look at uh, a a part of the Bible called the Book of Romans, all right? It's written by a guy named Paul. Go grab a Bible. It's also here on the screens, all right? But I want you to have a Bible so that you can read the rest of the chapter when you get home. I'm just gonna cover the first two verses. But Paul is writing a letter to people just like us. Some have been Christians a a few years. Most people that are reading this, that that are part of this old church in Rome, they've been Christians about five minutes, five minutes. Like, I'm, I'm brand new to this whole thing. I think I get the Jesus thing. I'm not going to hell. I got that. Holy Spirit thing freaks me out. I don't understand that at all. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. How could God use someone like me? Because I know what I used to do. I know what I used to be. Could God use someone like me? And in that, Paul writes a letter to some Christians, brand new Christians, all right, who live in a city called Rome. He writes this, Romans chapter 12, verse one. He says, I appeal to you. So here, I'm reaching out to you, I want you to get this. I appeal to you therefore, brothers, sisters, by the mercies of God. And anytime you see by the mercies of God in the Bible, it means this, in light of everything that's happened to you and in you and for you because of Jesus, and you know what I'm talking about here. He saved me, he rescued me, he changed me, set me free, all right? If you get that, if you understand that, here's the appeal, all right? Here's what I want you to do, right? To present your what? Bodies, okay, and that's really, really important. you gonna remember that, okay, because he could have used other words, but he didn't. I want you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. So you're not gonna die, all right, you're gonna live. Living sacrifices, holy, there it is again, and acceptable to God, which is your what? So he's saying, you're gonna do something with your body, physical body, that is a spiritual act of worship. And a spiritual act of worship just means this. It's a statement of what I think about God. That's what worship is. I'm gonna do something with my physical body I'm gonna give my body as a sacrifice to God to be used for him and by him for whatever he wants to use use my body for. That's our response to God. I don't have a lot, but this is it. Can you use someone like me? Can you use somebody like me? Now, notice what Paul doesn't say. If I was writing this book, I the Bible, I would have written it different. You're welcome, I didn't write it, okay? So, all right, because when I read that, give your body to that. that's all right. See, notice what Paul doesn't say. Paul doesn't say, give, in light of what God's done for you, give God your heart, I've searched the Bible, that phrase, give God your heart," is not in there. Paul doesn't say give your life to Jesus. I hear that phrase tossed a lot in in church world. I've said it thousands of times. I gave my life, I gave my heart to Jesus. It's not in the Bible. Now I know what you mean, all right? I think it's a good thing. When I say it, I think it's a good thing. And I'm sure God knows what we mean when we say that, you know, that that I gave my heart, I gave my life to Jesus. What we're saying is that I'm, I'm trying to give God control of my heart, of my emotions, of my life. I'm trying to say God's in charge, he's my master. Gave my life to God. Gave my heart to Jesus. God, you're my master. And I think that's great. Nothing wrong with saying that. Keep on saying it. I say it all the time. But here's the thing, all right? How do you know if that's true or not? How do you know if you did? Right? How would you or God or anybody else that followed me around all week long, all right, be able to know or measure whether I really have given God control of my life or my emotions? Or how about this? I gave God control of my life in spite of how I feel. How would you know? Paul says, well, you know how it works. I know how it works. Everybody knows how it works. It goes like this. Paul calls it out. If you, you call yourself a follower of Jesus, if you understand what Jesus has done for you, and if you really do have Jesus living in you, then living stones, live your life differently than if he didn't live inside of you. Not, not, not just your emotional life and you go to church more often life and you pray more, no, your physical life. Use your body and all the parts of your body, head to toe, all the parts, wink, wink, then the way that... that, 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 that If Jesus really lived inside of you, I'm gonna use my body that way. All right, I'm gonna use my body and everything I do with my body differently than if I didn't have Jesus living in me. And why? Because I understand. I understand who he is and who I am in him. And see, that could be a message all on its own or a series, but here's the truth. Jesus said that the, the actions flow out of the overflow of your heart. So if Jesus really has your heart, it will make a difference in the activities that you choose to do and not do with the rest of your body. He has my heart, my hands act different. He has my heart, my mouth speaks different. He has my heart, all the parts of my body. I used to do things, I don't do anymore. Why? Because my heart used to belong to somebody else and now it belongs to him. You can't separate it. You can't separate it. Here's a basic one, all right? Love always leads to action. Parents, you know that's true. Love always leads to action. You know, you can get hauled into court and you can tell the judge, whoa, 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 you can't take my kids away, judge, because I, I love my kids. In my heart, I do anyway, I love my children in my heart. And the judge will look back and you go, really? Because your love in your heart didn't lead you to do certain things. Like feed your kids. When we found your kids, they were starving. They didn't protect them. They were living on the street, all right? You did not care for your children. And the judge will say, you're gonna lose your children no matter what you claim to feel in your heart. And everybody in this room is going, yeah, that's what ought to happen. Because everybody knows that, that some of things that can't be separated love and action always go together love is more than a feeling love is more than a warm fuzzy moment that you feel towards some people especially your children love leads to action love provides and protects it's more than an emotion so living stones because of Jesus because we're under the authority of God's word, we're going to live different we're going to rearrange our physical lives and do things and not do things with our bodies that we used to do Our relationships are going to be different. Our sex lives are going to be different. Our our physical lives are going to be different. The way we talk to people, the things that come out of our mouth, we're going to adjust them to what God says is a better way. We're going to live our lives, daily lives. Why would we do that? Why would we live different? In order to build bridges and create opportunities for people to bump into Jesus. And it's not just physical adjustments in our life. Paul throws in another level of spiritual sacrifice, which has to happen, or the first one will just fall apart. Look at this, verse two, he says this. He says, and do not be conformed to this world. And I'll explain that in a second. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the, here it is, the renewal, get a new one, of your mind that by testing, you may discern, figure out what is the will of God, what's good and acceptable and perfect. In context, what Paul just said in verse one about, about our physical life, if you understand what Jesus has done for you, don't be conformed to this world. And conform to this world, Whenever time you see the, the, that, that, that phrase, the world, in the Bible, usually it means this, don't conform to the patterns and values as to how this world sees and values and measures people, because it's not the same as Jesus. Would you agree? This world says things that are important that are different than what Jesus says important, right? Uh, 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 the world values people very, very differently than how Jesus values people. And see, we all know that. We all went to the same school, We all kind of grew up in the same clique or neighborhood or group of people we all grew up with the same message being etched into our head it goes like this in this world at my school in my job whatever you have value if and here comes the list right you have value if you look a certain way especially if you look that way you have a lot of value but if you look that way you have no value at all or less value. I mean, we wouldn't say you have no value, but it's not very much, all right? You have value in this world if you can do certain things, put a ball through a hoop, or you can do this, or you can do that, or you do whatever that is, then you have, you have a lot of value. And if not, you have less value. You have a lot of value in this world if you've never done certain things. In the church, you have a lot of value if you've never done those three sins, the big ones, you know, all right? If you never committed those mistakes. And if you, if you have, you still have value, but that's not as much. I've grown up this way my whole life. You have value if you do or don't possess certain things. But Jesus' value system is different. He values people because he sees them and defines them based on what God has said about them. And here's what God says about all people on the planet. They are mine. They are mine. They are mine. And that's enough. They have my image pressed into them. You can't see it because they've, they've covered it up with a bunch of mess. I still see the image of God in them. They are mine. And because of that, I love them. And that alone is enough for us to treat people in the world differently because they have the image of God pressed into them. They're created in the image of God. It doesn't matter if you agree with their politics or their decisions about their life or their lifestyle, that's irrelevant. They are still God's image, and we have to treat them as such in that light. God does not see people through the lens that we see people through. What you've done right or wrong, what you've accomplished, or how many times you've failed, what you've done or what has been done to you, what you own, what you don't own. How about this one? What kind of clothes you wear to church? God doesn't care. He doesn't care. He does like tattoos, but that's just me. Right, but anyway, so... <laughs> See, God sees people. He he looks at you and he sees an image of himself. You look in the mirror, you don't see God in your life, but God still sees himself in you. That's just true, all right? He says, You are worth, every person is worth sending my own son to seek and save and rescue every person. And if, big if, if you understand what Jesus has done for you and in you, God says to us, His living stones, don't conform to this world, change your mind. Let my spirit give you a brand new mind so you can see and understand how I see and view people and how I want people to be treated in, here it is, my house. This is not Jim's church. This is not your church, not my church, not Scott's all right? This is God's spiritual house. He just happens to be building it out of living stones made out of people like us. This is not us. It's not even about us. It's about Jesus. So here's what we have so far, all right? God says, by the power of the Holy Spirit in your life, all right? Here's kind of a, I was going to say the wrap-up, but it's not even close. All right, so here we go, all right? He says, you are living stones, holy priest, commanded to build bridges to the world by rearranging and changing the way that you live your physical life and to change your mind about the way you see judge and value people so that all people have a chance to come into my house bump into my son so my son Jesus can save them now here's the interesting thing about this right? right after Paul says that you gotta if you understand Jesus you have to live physically different you gotta change your mind about people he launches into uh, instructions about using your spiritual gifts and you're gonna have to read this on your own, read the rest of chapter 12, and there's a list of, of, of gifts that, that every believer, and this is, it, this is true, or Jesus is a liar, but the moment that you leaned your life against Jesus, he did something in you and gave you a spirit-empowered gift, something he gives you. I, I need this done over here, you're not gonna be able to do it unless I give you this ability, boom, I give it to you, now go do it. And he won't send you to go do it unless he, he, he gives you that, 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 that ability to build his house. To build a bridge to the world. In the rest of Romans twelve, there are lists, lists of things that, that, that need to be done. I'll give you some of them. But it's not limited to it, but here's here's some of them. Like some of you have the gift of teaching. It's like you know you can say something, people go nah, that makes sense. Somebody else can say the same thing and they go, what are you speaking another language? What what are you talking about? You 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 teach and people go, I get it. Thank you for that. Right. So some people you you, you have the gift of encouragement. You encourage people. People just, you talk, you have a conversation. They go, thanks. That helps so much. And you're like, what I say? you, just, you encourage them. You're just an encouraging person, all right? You are. Some of you have, you, have you, you like to serve. You like to clean up after people. I don't want to run the thing. I'll just clean up after it's all done. Some of you, you go, I, I really, really like doing it. You like to help each other. As the book of in the book of Acts, as the church grew, the very first true church, they had meetings together. They divided up all the tasks that had to get done, so that people could bump in, into Jesus. And we make sure that everything gets done. There's some people go, you know, you're the teacher. You just go teach. Don't do it. You got this. If you don't teach, this whole thing, you know, kind of falls apart. So, so you go teach. We've got this other thing over there. Some people go, you know, I'm an organizer. I don't ever want to stand up here on a stage like this. You just get me. I can get it organized, get it in rows, and all that kind of stuff. It'll all work out, right? Some people said, you know what? There's some widows in the church. They're not being taken care of. You guys go do that and that and that we've got them we'll make sure that they are they they are taken care of right we'll make sure and everybody that joined the church said what do you need to be what do you need to happen I'll I'll do it see some of us grew up in a church I I grew up in a church with with there's a there's a position in my church called a deacon anybody grew up in that church there's all the Baptists. There they are right there, right? Sorry, and, right you know what I mean, all right? And in, in my church, Baptist, our deacon, was a, was a power play. I mean it's like they had a card and they'd walk in a room and go, I'm a deacon, boom, stop it. You know, I'm like, yeah, alright. So every deacon smacked me on the head. I mean, every deacon just went out of control of my church, alright, right? All right? There's a power position at my church. There's authority or stuff like that. But if you look at the word deacon and literally translate it out of the Greek and the Hebrew, it literally mean, translates table waiter. <laughs> that did not get taught in my church, alright? I don't, I, I'm a deacon, I don't wait table, I don't clean up the cell, I right? no, no, deacon is where we get the, the word servant, it's a servant position, it's not a power position, it's not I'm in charge, it's no, it's, it's, I'm a deacon, what needs to be done, and God's point of giving everybody a certain gift is this, everybody's got to serve, we have to have the mindset, the new mindset, whatever needs to be done, some jobs, some service jobs are in, in the church are glamorous, and some, no one will ever know that you ever did, Some you'll do it and people pat you on the back and say, Man, you just love Jesus. Most jobs that God needs done, nobody will ever say thank you. No one will ever know until maybe we get to heaven. Somebody says, I know you didn't know this, but you were my third grade Summit Kids ministry leader and you changed my life. And that started this and this and this and this, and that's why I'm here. And you say, I I didn't know. Some of you can teach. What do you mean teach? Teach just means teach what God taught you. You don't have to have everything figured out before you become a teacher. You just have to, this is what God taught me. That's what Jesus says. Go teach what I taught you, all right? And, and, and that's your spiritual gift of, 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 of teaching. Some of you are leaders. You've been leaders all your life. You can go back to kindergarten. You look behind you. There's three kids on the playground going, we're with you. You know, well, why? I don't know. You're the leader. And so you've been leading all your life. So you led some people over a cliff, but you led, all right? So, so that's, just, that's just true, all right? Some, some of you are, some are leaders. It just means I'll go first. That's all it means, all right? Some of you have a, have a set of experiences. You've been through. through through certain things that nobody would understand unless they have been through something similar. And I'll I'll give you an example of that, this military ministry thing that we're trying to get started here. Listen, the reason we're doing this is, uh, listen, men and women, I love you, I respect you, I honor you, and I always will, and I support you, all right? But I can only go so far, and I would never stand up here, it'd be so condescending if I did, and arrogant, to presume to understand what you've been through. I don't to fully appreciate what you have done and volunteered to do and risk and sacrifice so that people like me could stand on stages like this and say, this is what God tells me to say. We need leaders. Some of you, when you're in the military, you led hundreds of people or in charge of billions of dollars of equipment, and then you get back here and they just put you on a shelf. We need your leadership. We need you to show up at that, that event on Saturday and go, I don't know where you can use me, but use me, use me. I'm not... I'm not retired from life. I'm not retired from the military. I'm not retired from my gift of leadership. I need you to lead. Maybe not in the military, but someplace in this church. Here's one. I'm just, I'm just going to touch on this just a, just, just a, a, a little bit. Some, some of you have, some of your counselors, I don't, I don't get it, uh, meaning is that people seek you out and go, can I tell you all my problems? And you go, yeah, I'd really like to hear them. And then you, you say things and then people get better and you enjoy that. You feel more invigorated going, I helped three people through a counseling. You know, that's not my gift. See, here's the thing. My gift is teaching, kind of, I hope. All right, so anyway, and here's the thing. It, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's not right now. I'm, all right, so here's the thing. If I do my job, if I exercise my gift well up here, you sit in rooms like this and go, he understands. He gets me. That makes sense. And here's the next thing in your head. I need to get together with him and talk. I need to sit down with him or, or have coffee with him or whatever with him and sit down because I think he'll really understand and could really help me with a problem. No, I, I'm not, I can't. I can't, you'd be so disappointed. I'm telling you, all right, if you you make an appointment and meet me for coffee or meet my office or something like that, and you sit there, you're going to be pouring out your heart to me, and I'm going to be going, squirrel, oh, oh, uh, I'm going to try my best, I'm going to try my best, but I'm just going to be honest, we're going to be transparent today, all right? I don't have the gift of counseling. You're going to be, you're going to be saying, listen, when I get up here and talk about marriage or life or this or that or whatever, all right, I give it all, there is no more, if you come to my office, I'm gonna go, let's just watch my video. That's, I don't know. What did I say, all right? That's all I, I'm a horrible counselor. Stop trying to get counseling appointments with me. I'm horrible. Scott's worse, don't try him either, right? <laughs> if some of you know Scott, you go, oh, yeah, he's the nicest person in the room, we're in trouble. It's just bad, all right? So, uh, see, some of you, right? Here's one, i just, again, I'll just touch on this. Some of you, the Bible says that everybody that puts, leads their life against Jesus needs to give, the spiritual gift of giving. See, and here's what I mean. I'm talking about money here. And I'm not gonna make this a money talk, but just listen really, really quick, all right? And work this out with God. Some of us have a little bit of money. Some of us have a lot of money. Nobody would say, I have too much. Nobody, all right? But in spite of our level of income, Jesus makes it clear. Our money and what we love are in the same place. So according to the Bible, if you love Jesus, you're gonna point your money towards the things Jesus loves. What does Jesus love? Making sure everybody has an opportunity to hear about his son Jesus and take care of hurting people, especially widows and orphans. That makes sense. If you love kids, you take your money and you feed and care for your kids. If you love Jesus, you take your money and you point it towards the things that he wants to care and feed for. That's just true. That's why last weekend you brought in over 100,000 pounds of food into that lobby last week because we know God cares about hungry people. That's why buckets are at the door every weekend back there and everything that goes into those buckets... Goes toward the purpose of teaching people about Jesus. God doesn't hate him. Through Jesus, he, he brought you back and to take care of people that Jesus cares about. Jesus says you will give your money to what you love and whether you believe in God or not, that is just true. I say this all the time. If you don't trust flat with your money, then give it somewhere else to some place that you do trust that you believe lines up with the heart of God better than this place. But no matter what, don't be a selfish person and buy the lie that all your money is for you. That just makes you a selfish person. If you don't trust us, some, find some place in the world that lines up with the heart of God and give part of your money there. I trust this place. I've seen the books. I know what the dollars go for. Rob and I sit down every year and we carve out a percentage. None of your business. It's between God and I, but we, we carve out a percentage before we make a house payment or upgrade our cars or whatever that is, a, pay, a, a percentage of our income and we give it here. Every time I bring up money, people that have come from other churches always squint their eyes and go, ugh. I'm like, what's that? He goes, well, at my last church, you know what they did with the money? And I hear the worst stories ever. It's unbelievable the way churches have spent money over, over the years. Here's what you need to know. We have an open book policy. You can review our finances anytime, find out where all the dollars and dimes have gone that you put in those buckets. We publish our yearly audit. We, have an, we hire an outside firm to audit our books, and you can look at that. It's on our website right now for your inspection. We're very, very transparent. I love how we spend our money here, the money that you have given to God through Flatirons. We, 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 we prayerfully decide we're gonna point every dollar. We're not just tight with the money, We're efficient. We squeeze every cent out of every dollar and make it go as far as possible. We are volunteer dependent. Some churches say that we actually are. We cannot open our doors without volunteers and that's intentional by choice. We, we, we did a survey. We, pay, we have less than half of the paid staff of any other church we can find our size. We have half as much staff because we depend on volunteers. Why? Because God says, I wanna use people, not pastors people, right? So the question is, what do you want Flatirons to be? My question is, how can the staff help you go and do your ministry? Your ministry, not Jim's, yours. In other words, the only reason for this place to exist is not to do it for you, but so that you can leave this place better prepared to go out and do what God has brought you to life to do. That's the point. Now, I get this all the time, all right? Does Flatirons have membership? I mean, old church we had membership. We had to go to a class and sign a paper and get blood and all that kind of stuff. So, <laughs> I mean, not really, all right? So, no, we don't have membership here. We don't have membership. I, 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 again, I, I've, I've searched the word of God in the Bible, and I can't find, and they were a member of this church. I can't find it. I'm not against it, but I I do find that anybody that leans their life against Jesus is a member of the body of Christ, the, the, the church all over the world, right? But, but, but individually, it's not a bad thing, but I just don't find it. I do, however, find groups of believers throughout throughout the Bible, especially in the book of Acts, that we partnered together over shared values. We we, we build in our lives on these six things too. We have a common mission to run after certain things. And I think that would be a better description of what we're running after here at Flatirons. Partnership. Partner with us. So how about this? We're trying to build an excellent environment that creates opportunities for people who are looking for truth to come into a safe place. No one's going to beat them up or throw stones at them, unclench their fist, engage and go at your own pace, and hopefully, eventually, understand who Jesus is and what his message is, and it could possibly be the best thing that ever happened in your life if you come to the places between the two of you that you can actually trust Jesus. That's who we are. That's our mission. It's the mission of every church, according to God's word. But we also know that within that overall mission, we, and I'm talking about Flatirons now, not churches all over the world, this one, all right? We, we know who we are. That's how I started this whole series. We know who we are. We know what we're called to do. We know what we're really good at. We know what we're really bad at. We know what we're really passionate about. And in terms of methodology and presentation and style, we know, in, in other words, every person in this room has a personality and it's different than the person next to you. And they have a style. You don't look like every person in, in, in the room, all right? Same thing with churches. So does Flatirons. Now, all, we all have to have something. All churches have to have some things in common. They need to be founded on the Bible and point people towards Jesus alone. But not all churches are the same and not every church fits everyone. Went to this church, they taught about Jesus, taught the Bible, it was horrible, right? Went to this other church, very, very, very different. It was great, All right? Not every church fits everybody, so at Flatirons, let me just tell you where you are, right? At Flatirons, we teach what God says is true and better and we have to adjust our lives to it. Here's what makes us a little different than a lot of churches. We talk about real things in real ways that real people are going through and we use real language to talk about it. And what I found is that there's some people in the world that don't want that. That's too personal, that's too real. Just pat us on the head and tell her things if it's gonna be okay. We're not that church. Because guess what? What if it's not gonna be okay? What if life's not gonna get better by Tuesday no matter how much faith you have? Tuesday, your, your faith falls apart. We're not that church. So what we're gonna say is, this is what God said. This is what God's promised. Let's link arms and let's do it together. And the real things, the messy things is where life happens. And that's why we're gonna talk about it. that Every week, if this is gonna be your church, don't come in here and be surprised by that. We're gonna do it every week. Here's another thing. Without apology, we, I, I, I believe that God want, is telling Scott and I, at least in this season of our life, to speak directly to the hearts of men and husbands and fathers. It just feels like the church across the world has given up on men That's why men have given up on church. Our our message is to tell men that they can follow a strong leader named Jesus who's worth following and not that wimpy, whiny, dumbed-down thing that you've been sold all your life. Jesus is a leader worth following. That's why, all right, most of our illustrations, Scott's, all of our illustrations, all right, are more about hunting and sports and driving and hiking in the mountains and and hobbies that are awesome, all right, right? We're gonna talk about that stuff more than Jesus is kind of like a daffodil. I'm probably not going to use that illustration a lot. All right. <laughs> he may be. Yes, yeah, he Jesus is like that. That's great. He he may be. It's just it'd be a horrible tattoo. Jesus is a daffodil. But anyway, um. <laughs> so so I, I don't know. It's just my heart. You know. But but here's the other part of this. And don't applaud on this because some of you, you you've emailed me and I know this is a, a concern of your heart. It's not critical. It's a concern. But I just know, all right, that Scott and I both were we're under conviction. That we need to reach the hearts of men, but we also need to do a better job delivering an equally compelling message to women and wives and girlfriends and daughters. Because let's be honest, no matter, if we, no matter what, if we just speak to either one and leave the other one out, nothing changes at your house. It doesn't matter if one of you gets all fired about following Jesus. If, if, the, if your partner in life is not going in the same direction, it will fall apart. We need to do both. And pray for us. I mean, that's, that scares me. I can talk to dudes all day. You're, you're dumb. Stop it. All right. I can't say that to women. I mean, they'll, they'll be a lynching. Oh, you know, so, uh, so it makes me a little nervous. All right. But that's how we, te- we teach the word of God. Real language, real people about real stuff. All right. That, in terms of our methodology, we like music here. So we play real music, all kinds of music, and we play it really, really well. I think they're amazing, all right? And usually we play it really, really loud, supported by all kinds of creativity because, and here's why, it's not in the Bible, but this is the reason, all right? Because we just like it that way. We just like really loud, good music, all right? But what we found is this, if our music and our art doesn't suck, sometimes people will be willing to give the message of Jesus a chance too, right? They come in here, well, I like that song, i'll listen to the bald guy maybe all right that's that's what we're trying that's what we're trying. and i hear this all the time first time i ever came to church you played zeppelin or you played this or you played sticks or you played this or whatever that is and I said you know what I, I, I thought okay maybe i'll listen i mean so many times so many times they don't they don't stay for the music they stay for the word of god but they never would have given the word of god a chance had those hands not come on un- open all right I'm open, all right? Maybe because of the way we teach and the way we leverage music and creativity and excellence, maybe that's why we have so many young families and, and students that come to this church. A lot of churches, it's, it's, it's you don't find anybody under my age. This is true. And we're... Look, look around this room. I'm one of the oldest dudes in the room, all right? So because of that, we spend a lot of time in our summit kids ministry, student ministries, college age ministry, because it's so important. And I don't know if we have a lot of people in our student ministries, in our, in our kids ministry because of what God doesn't hear or the other way around. God's doing amazing things out there and that's why this room is full service after service. But we're gonna keep running after both. So here's a reality check. This is, this, if, if we're doing our job right, when you come in here, it feels like this wasn't too bad. This is kind of easy. It's not easy to pull this thing off. Uh, here's a reality check. On Easter, we had over 30,000 people. 30,000 people in this, on this campus. Another 3,000 up at the other campus in, in Genesee, all right? And, and you know, and there's part of me goes, that's just great. They heard about Jesus. They, they, they heard God didn't hate him. In the back of my head is this other voice that reminds me of this. What we have on Easter this year is historically what we have every weekend two or three years from now. And you know what that makes it? That makes me go, oh, my, pass the imodium. That's what it makes me, right? Yeah. Because it's crazy. You you were there. You were there Easter. It was nuts. The parking lot was nuts. You parked a mile away. You you came in here. You sat in the lobby on the other end of the lobby. It was crazy. Listen, that's a lot of cars. That's a lot of organization. That's a lot of bagels. That's a lot of setup and a lot of teardown and a lot of cleanup, a lot of hands and backs to make sure that the person who says, "Okay, I'll go to church one time has such an experience that they say, all right, I'll go one more time. And then they go one more time and one more time and one more time. This is some of our stories, right? And we bumped into Jesus and he changed our life and he moved into us and he made us a new creation he rescued our marriages he brought our kids home he did a lot of things of healing in our life why because they found a parking place that's where it started that's where it starts that is where it starts See, I, i know i stand up here all the lights are pointing at me right now but no i can't do this without thousands of other people making it possible And Jesus can't do what he wants to do unless we all join together. It's a spiritual building made up of living stones who serve as bridge builders, sacrificing, adjusting the way that they live their lives, the way they spend their time, their money, everything, for one reason. We finally understand what Jesus has done for us. So we're joining together with everybody in the room and everybody at Flatirons, other living stones, so that not just this room, not just Lafayette or Denver or Colorado, but the entire world might have an opportunity to bump into God's son. His name is Jesus. I, I love that song, but it, the only I only know one phrase. I'm on top of the world, la 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 la. That's gonna be stuck in your head all day. So anyway, um, so that's how I want to end. The question is, God is God is building something here, made out of people like us. And the question I want to ask is, Are you in? Are you going to join us? See, let me say this. There are seasons of your life. And some of us are in that season. It's all we can do to drag ourselves in. here. we've been beat up by life so hard. We're coming in here. All we can do is say, just God, breathe a little life into me so I have another week of life left. And if you're at that point of your life, take a breath and heal. You sit back and let us serve you. That's the point. All right? That's the season of your life. But please know this. It's a season. It's a season of your life. And it can never become, this is my life. And this is how my life is always going to be. So here's my challenge to you. If you've been coming here for a while, if, if, if you go, I go to Flatters, if someone says, do you go to church? Yeah, Flatters is my church. If you answer it that way, if God is using this place to do something good and better and healing in your life, Jesus told every believer to jump into what God is building someplace, right? But I'm asking, and I'm inviting you, people in this room, to come and join us. To to, to jump in here with us, partner with Flatirons, with your time, your talent, your money, so that people will bump into Jesus and find life, real life, true life, the life that a lot of us have found or are founding in this room. We believe Jesus is who he says he is. We believe Jesus will keep his promise. We wanna build bridges so other people can find out that that's true for them too. So here's what I wanna do. On your way out... Out in the lobby, and that's what the video is about. We, we built an altar. And an altar is simply a place where you put something that symbolizes, I'm giving this as a spiritual sacrifice to God. Use this for whatever you want. And all week long, it's been this I am who God says I am, and I want Him to use me to build something that says the world, this is what Jesus is like. So take your rock that you've been praying with and holding on to all week, and if you haven't, grab one right outside the door and go and put it on the altar and say, I'm, I'm in. I'm in. What does it mean, I'm in? I mean, I'm in Jesus forever that's never going to change but from this point on at least this season of my life I'm in flat Earns is my church I'm gonna take it out of the theoretical and and, and and make a real life application I'm gonna give God my body to be used here at Flatlands. my time my talent my money as a spiritual sacrifice I'm in even if you've been in for a long time you serve we, you're those people that we could not open our doors without you grab one of those rocks and put it on the pile and say I'm in I'm not going anywhere. I've been in for a long time, I'm in. Maybe a whole new level of in. Or how about this, this is a lot of us. I was in and then life got crazy and then marriage got crazy and my kids got crazy and finances got crazy, but you know what? Other things that push in out of the way, I am back in, I'm back in. Or how about this, I wasn't in, I've never been in, but I think from this point in, I, I'm in, I'm in. Hi, this is my first time here. What's the name of this place? I'm in, I'm in this place, all right, I'm in. Where do you need me? And grab one of those rocks and go, where do you need me? And then just past that altar, if you don't have a place to, to, to j- jump in, there's five ways you can jump in right now. And I'd say it's five of the most important ways. It's our, it's our kids' ministry, our student ministries, our college ministry, our guest services, and our facilities makes all this thing run. We cannot open our doors without that. You can say you can find a way that right now, as you try to figure out where you're gonna serve long-term, you can, you can jump in there right now. But just don't say, well, I'm gonna pray about it for two weeks. You know what? You'll, you won't ever be in. Jump in now and in, you'll figure it out. Now, I, mean, I I added this in. I don't know over time, but it's who I am. So here's the thing, all right? So sometimes I, sometimes I get ahead of myself. Sometimes words come out of my mouth before I think. Look at all the heads nodding. I'm not alone there, so don't throw stones, okay? So, Because I'll throw one back at you. So anyway, um, <laughs> you know, here's, here's what I mean by that is that sometimes I wish I would have thought some things through before they came out of my mouth, even if they're good things. And I'll give you an example of that. Back in the fall, I threw out this idea about, wouldn't it be awesome if some of the men and women in this church that love the outdoors, hunting, camping, fishing, hiking, mountains, all that kind of stuff that's just a few miles west of here that's just awesome. It's proof God loves us. But there's a lot of us out here that go, I'm really, really into that. And I threw out this idea, what if some of you men and women that really are good at some of those outdoor sports partnered with some some kids in our church that will never, ever have the opportunity to do that? Never go camping, never go hiking, never go hunting, never go fishing, because I don't know, the circumstances of life have taken that away from them, all right, and you know what? The response on both ends was amazing. I had all these men and women say, sign me up. I don't know, I can't sing, I can't play a guitar, something like that, I can fish. I can do amazing, I can hike, I can do that. I'll take some kids, I will take kids. I used to be an outfitter, I've got tents, I've got sleep, i got all this kind of stuff. And at the same time, I had all these single moms get hope. And the hope went like this, oh, I need help. I'm a good mom. I'm a, I'm, a be- I'm a great mom. I'm doing everything I can. But my eight-year-old son doesn't have a dad or a man in his life. And I just need somebody to partner with me into my son's life. It's not because I'm a bad mom. I just know my son or my daughter needs somebody else in their life to come alongside. Now, here's what I'm going. That's an awesome idea. That is a great idea. Here's my next thought. How do I protect children in this world? right, right, because here's, I mean, your hearts are right, most of you, all right, but here's the, here's the thing, some of you are going, hey, I never met that kid, but I'll, t- I'll take that little girl fishing. No, you won't. <laughs> no, you won't, you won't, and here's the other part of that. I have some moms and some single dads in there who are so desperate to have somebody speak into the life of their child, they will lower their standards and just risk it. You take her, take him, please, just help, help me, all right, and you know what? Bad stuff will happen. What do you mean? The same stuff that happens to some of us. And I'm not, it's not gonna happen on my watch. I'm not gonna have it happen. So all you people whose hearts beat a little bit different are going, you know what? I wanna take some kids out there. I wanna take a, a little girl fishing. She'll never be able to do that. I wanna, I wanna put my arm around somebody and tell them that they're important, all right? How about this? Before you go do something grandiose like that, jump in the trenches with us here in our kids' ministry, in our student ministries, and get to know some kids, and get to know some families, and partner with some single mom families, and say, let's do life together before I ever take your son camping. Just, it, we're gonna protect kids. By the way, all the money, some of the money that goes in the buckets back there, if you volunteer in our kids' ministry, it goes for police background checks. Nobody's getting near our kids. Nobody's getting, here's the thing, all right? Jump in with our kids, and then let's see where it goes. Let's see where it goes, all right? So partner with us, all right? It's that important. I was, a, I, was a, I was a student pastor. I'm going really long. All right, so it's just lunch. Uh, <laughs> I was a student pastor for 20 years before I came and did this. If you volunteer in our kids' ministry, our college ministry, our student ministries, God, is, I'm gonna tell you what God's gonna do in, your, in, in some kid's life. You will be maybe the only voice all week long that says you're important, God loves you, and I care about you. You may be the only voice that tells that eight-year-old or that 17-year-old kid, that 21-year-old kid trying to figure out what he's doing with his life. His dad is telling him he's got to do this, and you're going to say, what's your dream? You'll be the only person that God speaks to that kid that whole week, and you could be that man or woman. What what, do I know? Just what God taught you. That's all. Come and join us. Let's build something amazing here. Living Stones. Let's pray. God, I love this place. I love what you've done in this place. I can't wait to see what you're going to do in this place. And it all comes back to Jesus. It all comes back to Jesus. And so, God, that's what we're going to do right now. We're going to take communion together. We're going to pass out bread and juice and go, oh, yeah, I'm forgiven. I've been set free. I have a new identity. He's taught me some things. He's told me some things. He said this is who I am and this is who he is. And I actually believe it. I'm starting to believe it. So I take communion and go, I'm forgiven. I'm set free. We're gonna sit in this community service in the next couple minutes here, God, and we're gonna ask you this question. Could you use someone like me or how could you use someone like me to build in the life of a kid, to build in the life of a college student, to, to build in, put my arm around a little girl and tell her she's beautiful because nobody else will. Her mom should tell her that, but her mom's stoned on the couch at home right now. She just needs another woman in her life to come and say, oh, I can't be your mom, but I love you. And her life will change. It'll be very different than where it's gonna go unless somebody puts their arm around some of these kids. God, I, I, I it sounds kind of condescending, but there are people that will never, ever, ever come in this door and find out that God doesn't hate them until the parking lots work and somebody says hello to them and, and we put a cup of coffee in their hand and say, it's okay, sit back, unclench your fists, just listen to what God may wanna tell you. It's all important. It takes all of us to build something that you wanna build. So God, use people like us because of Jesus, the cornerstone. That's our prayer. I can't wait to see what you're about to do. In Jesus' name, amen.